This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Episode of Film Study. This is Can Make Music. Moving on with a series I've really been enjoying, which are uh, individual fans telling me what is the biggest fear, biggest concern, or maybe a fear, a concern, with the Ravens coming up this season. Joining me tonight, Brandon Alford. Uh, Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I can. Uh, great to have the, uh, great to be on. Um, obviously a big fan of the podcast. Um, you know, I can't claim to be uh, a professional, you know, film analyzer like yourself, um, but I am just a Maryland kid from Carroll County. Uh, went to the University of Maryland. Uh, been a Ravens, Orioles, Terps fan my entire life. Uh, grew up in Westminster, so I was at the training camp, you know, from the Super Bowl year all the way there up, you until, go. up until when they uh, they left. I want to say that was 2011 uh, for the lockout. So yeah, just a really uh, diehard Ravens fan. I've had season tickets for a couple of years now, and uh, enjoy the podcast. So I wanted to try to get on. Okay, so the topic tonight is, first of all, where can people talk football with you? That's one important thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so my Twitter handle is um, at Marlin, M-A-R-L-I-N underscore underscore Brando, B-R-A-N-D-O. Okay, Marlin Brando, Marlin Brando. Okay. Right, 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 right. It's a little hard to, hard to piece together, but that's okay. People yeah, will yeah. find you, I'm sure. Um, so we're going to talk about speed in the secondary. And the Ravens certainly, you know, known for having one of the best 
built back to front secondary uh, defenses, and certainly the, the quality of the secondary is very high. But there are some older players in the secondary. Everybody who will see a lot of team is is uh, time is in no earlier than their fourth season now. That would yeah. be Averett is the young man. Yeah, and, and with Anthony Averett, I think we've had a couple of Twitter interactions, Ken, where I would really like to get that deal kind of locked up sooner rather than later, um, maybe at some point during this season before he hits kind of the free agency market. Um, I, I think that's crucial. Um, mm-hmm. I think you have to have those young corners, and, and even with retaining him, um, with the situation with Peters' contract coming up and, and Jimmy's age and Tavon's injury history, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if if we take a corner in the first two to three rounds next year. Right. I, I would not be shocked either. I also think that's that's good news for some of the corners who've been playing very well in camp this year because there is some speed there. Uh, Westry, a, you know, a big guy. Uh, Ardarius Washington, not a real fast guy, but a good slot corner. And Sean Wade, of course, really guaranteed a spot on this team. Uh, is uh, was a great slot corner at Ohio State before moving to the outside. The Ravens been playing him on the outside, but he's been playing well there. I think during the during both camp and this first preseason game. Absolutely, I'm actually really intrigued by Chris Westry. Um, that just size speed combination is something that you can't help but but be excited about with the measurables. Um, like you said, four three uh, s- speed, six four. I think he came out of Kentucky. I want to say, and that's right. And, and oh, okay. I, I, I heard, um, I heard Wink's press conference the other day where he said something to the effect of, uh, "I'm not quite sure how Eric DaCosta got him here, but I'm glad that he did." So I, I'm really looking forward to see how he takes his game up the next two days to maybe hopefully lock in a spot spot on the roster. Yeah, he looked like a guy who would be potentially playing safety for the Ravens in the end of last year because they had no one. You figure they pick up someone late in the season. It's because they want him as a safety to come in and play the dime right away. And it, it didn't turn out that way, and now he's an outside corner. It's just a, a weird kind of situation for a guy that size. But like, I agree, very intriguing. And one guy we didn't even mention who plays a lot of corner and certainly is perfectly capable of playing the slot corner, uh, role is Brandon Stevens, who probably ends up being free safety for the Ravens in the future, but uh, a slot corner uh, potentially a lot this year. He may be a guy who, who plays it in nickel as a, as a big slot, or he comes in on the dime package and maybe covers a, a tight end that flexes as one of four receivers. Yeah, I was actually, even in the first preseason game and based on the practice reports that we've gotten so far at camp, I, I'm actually pretty surprised at how adept he's been right off the bat. You know, a, a project guy, um, he wasn't really on a lot of people's radar. Um, obviously, switching positions. Um, he just seemed like one of those draft picks where you're saying to yourself, okay, it's a third-round pick. Maybe we'll see what he has next year or the following year, see if they can kind of mold this former running back into a, a secondary player. But it seems like from all accounts and what I saw on the field on uh, on last Saturday's game, um, he, he looks like he can contribute right away, which is right. actually a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I mean, his, his SMU tape is really remarkable in one way. I mean, he, honestly, he doesn't show up on film as much as maybe you'd like him to, except for the fact that they moved him all over that defense. Like, they had this situational substitution. They would move him from safety to slot corner and even outside corner, sometimes all on the same drive, but definitely in the same game. And, and that you know, you had to follow him around, around by following these red shoes. But anyway, we, we were intended to talk about what teams do you think are going to give the Ravens speed, uh, speed problems at wide receiver, and how might the Ravens uh, combat that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so just as a very quick rundown for for our starters, uh, it might seem counterintuitive to sit here and say that you know you think that the secondary is a concern. Uh, you get ten Ravens fans in a room, and I'm sure that nine of them would probably point to the secondary as being the biggest strength. And and I think that's going to continue. But there were some instances last year where I saw you know some of the faster receivers kind of get behind our guys. Um, Marlon Humphrey, even though he's a track guy. Um, you know, famously ran track in high school and did the hurdles, and his mom does the track team down there in uh, Alabama. Um, when he can't really be physical at the line of scrimmage, I don't want to say he necessarily has a tendency because that makes it sound like it happens more frequently than it does, but I, I think I've seen the propensity, I guess, would be a better word to let guys get behind him. Um, and obviously, Peters and uh, his kind of gambling style make, puts him in the position uh, more often, but his just pure speed isn't there anymore. Let's go back to Humphrey for a second, because one of the things for Humphrey is I, I, I don't disagree with you that he doesn't have the, the top end speed maybe you'd like, but also with corners on the outside, and, and particularly big physical corners, we've certainly seen this with Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey is one of the best in the game at this point, uh, until someone proves otherwise, very physical corners that use the boundary well as an, as an additional defender. You know, obviously, he doesn't necessarily have that short area quickness to, to recover and cover a whip route to the inside. That's much more what Tavon Young used to be able to do and what they have other guys for now uh, as well that, that might work out. I, I imagine we'll see Marlon on the outside this year. Wouldn't you think that, that from a speed perspective that would work out better? I do. I do. And, you know, from all reports at camp, uh, it was that Chris Hewitt said Tavon looks like Tavon so mm-hmm. far, which was good news to hear. Um, you know, there's a little concern there, I guess, with the two ACLs recently. Um, right. I think he's 27 or 28, but but he still, I think, would have better change of direction skills, better short area quickness probably yeah. than Humphrey in the slot, even though Humphrey played admirably in the slot the last few years when he's been asked. So I, I definitely think ideally Marlin's speed um, is certainly good enough for the outside. Yeah, yeah, Tavon, a very sudden athlete, so I think I think – that was there before the injuries. And I gotta be honest, I know Chris Hewitt wants to wants to back his guys, but I haven't really seen all that greatness from Tavon in this camp. It's it's gonna be one of the big question marks this year is can he step up? And frankly, every time he makes a play, I'm like, a good. That's a very good thing, which is not a good thing that I'm having to say that. It's kind of like, you know, in, in 1938, I believe it was, might have been 30, early 39 or late 38, um, Gehrig was just about done as a player. And there was a ground ball to first base, and you know he was he, something was wrong with him. I guess everybody knew it, and he hadn't quite been diagnosed yet. But but there was a ground ball to first base, and he went unassisted to make the play, and his teammates all gathered around and patted him on the back. Well, that's when you know there's a problem. <laughs> right, right, right. That's when you yeah, exactly. There's an issue there. Um, but yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. Hopefully, Tavon is maybe ballparking at eighty percent, eighty-five percent of the movement skills that he was in the past. Obviously, Jimmy. Um, Jimmy Smith is unabashedly. I'm, I'm a Jimmy Smith apologist. I, I wear his jersey to the game every Sunday. He's probably my favorite player on the current team. Uh, he's probably, I would imagine, currently in that four six four seven range. So, but again, how they plan to use him, how they plan to deploy him, I, I think ideally you can stick him on the tight ends, especially early in the season against Waller and Kelsey. And I think that he probably has. Uh, you know, his combination of size and speed, I think, probably should be able to compensate for that. But the safeties, Clark and Elliott, speed certainly isn't their game. Um, I think that's uh, why a lot of Ravens fans kind of wanted that 
deep safety somewhere in the draft this year. I know Merrick was a was a popular mock choice for us, um, and, and I think Clark seems a little bit faster than he probably runs because his anticipation is so good and, and he's right. such a good diagnosis uh, player. Um, Elliot, I actually think, is a little bit faster than what he timed originally at the Combine. Um, he looked like a faster player to me at Texas than, than what he ended up timing as a 4.58. Um, and I know that earlier in the summer he talked about uh, he was a little bit limited athletically last year. So, so I think we're going to see an even more explosive, faster uh, Elliot this year, which I think will certainly help. They were very lucky to get through last season with those two safeties healthy because they only had two at the end of the year, and really they, they needed them every down. Um, I agree, Elliot's probably a little faster. I think there's still some learning going on there at free safety and in what really will be only his second year um, uh, of trying to figure out how to properly bracket a player. We had this discussion a little bit with, with Geno Stone, is that Stone really understood, and you could see it from those two interceptions, how to anticipate the overthrow. Don't tighten up on that bracket too much, but be a certain number of yards behind so you can either react to an overthrow, which he did on the first one, or, or collect a tip, which he did on the second one. And it was just great to see a very redesk to have that kind of space in between him and the, uh, and the, uh, def- the uh, opposing receiver. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that play that he made, it, it kind of reminded me, like you said, Redesk, and it kind of reminds me how Chuck Clark plays where there may be some, and I don't want to say limitations, but Geno Stone, probably not the fastest guy in the world, but his mm-hmm. football acumen, his kind of awareness, his intelligence on the field, he's going to be in the right spot. And, and sometimes that's, you know, can compensate for, for lacking long end speed, I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm, I, at this point, I, I, I imagine he'll make the team, so we'll see. But I don't, I don't think Jordan Richards, I don't think you can keep him when you've got Geno Stone. And I even really wonder about what, how they'll deal with Anthony Levine and, and uh, whether or not he has a spot. Yeah, the, the, the depth of the team this year, I, I think we're going to see less special team-only players ever uh, than what we've seen in the past two, three, four, five years. I mean, you usually like to have those guys, the the Richards, the Bethels, the Mm -hmm. McClellans, all those guys. I I don't see space for many of them at all this year. Right. um, So I I make a differentiation between those three you just named. McClellan had a big defensive contribution he made because he played a fair number of defensive snaps and he was very versatile. He could play a lot of different positions and, in fact, did for the Ravens, including you're playing some outside linebacker and, and even a three-point defensive end at times. Um, and then he would come on and play middle linebacker in, in, in other years. Whereas Bethel and Richards are pure special teams players. The, the team does not want either one of them on the field ever. And that's I agree with you completely that the, that the Ravens, I don't think, can afford to have any of those this year. Yeah, absolutely. So what I also did, um, obviously, outside of kind of analyzing our own speed, is I I tried to take a look down the schedule and kind of see what are the teams that, you know, with this potential lack of, of, of elite or at least above league average speed in the secondary Mm -hmm. um what are the teams that could potentially give us fits and i kind of found uh five teams throughout the schedule that that might you know appear the most uh concern i don't want to say concerning but it could be an issue uh moving forward um so i I mean here are the five games that i just kind of eyeballed and i'd like to get your thoughts on that uh so right off the rip, the first two games for me uh, are two teams that could probably give us some issues with their speed um, if we don't have our P's and Q's minded. Uh, the Raiders starting off in Las Vegas in the new stadium. Uh, Henry Ruggs, 427 guy. Um, anybody that watched that season he had at Alabama knows that he's probably, you know, he walks out on the field, he's going to be one of the top 15, 10 fastest players in the NFL. And then Waller, 
uh, at tight end has some serious speed. Uh, I think he ran in the four fours when he was coming out when we drafted him. Um, so I, I think the Raiders, and especially with John Gruden, who, who likes to open it up at times, um, even though he likes to kind of keep Derek Carr kind of mistake-free, um, there are times where they really like to open it up and let it rip. And, I, and you know, if we're not ready or, you know, Marcus Peters kind of tries to uh, bite on a double move, I definitely think they're going to try and get uh, rugs behind us. I think they're going to hit some Waller passes up the seams a little bit. So, so that could potentially be an issue. Okay, so let's talk about the Raiders specifically because it's an interesting one. And they do definitely have a lot of speed, but this may also apply to other teams as we go. What do, what do the Ravens have to do defensively if they are outspeeded in, this, in from the secondary versus wide receiver? How can they make up for that? Yeah, so, so in my opinion, I think you have to play, obviously situationally, I think you have to have two deep. I think you have to have a guy that you're comfortable with taking Waller the entire game. In my opinion, that's Jimmy Smith. And as we said a little bit earlier, he's probably not the fastest he's ever been in his career right now, mm-hmm. at, in, you know, 11, 12 years in. But I think if you're comfortable enough, especially coming off the, the ankle sprain, I think it was, um, with Jimmy sticking with Waller, um, I think you have to kind of have a constant, if not bracket, I think you need constant additional attention on Waller um, and take away that seam route that he runs so well and the shake routes that he runs so well in the middle of the field first. Um, and then I think you have to have a guy over top rugs at all times. Um, I, I would not be comfortable personally uh, with either of Marlin or Peters on an island with rugs in a, in a crucial situation. Um, and I think you know, it's a chicken or the egg type situation, but I think the pass rush is going to be key in these games. That's that's what I wanted you to get to. I was hoping you were going to, because I think the, the Ravens' flexibility in the pass rush and how, how they can deliver a quick pressure on a passing down uh, is really a, where a lot of this is. And, and long passing plays, with the exception of straight verticals, which can be done with a two-second drop, the quarterback can get rid of the ball in about 2 or 2.2 seconds, um, most of them take a little bit of time to develop, particularly if there's any sort of double move. I mean, they, they, those things take time to develop. And you, you, you really... If you if you try to do it against a team that has a really inventive pass rush and it's going to have a safety even in your face, is going to move the quarterback off the spot, those plays, at least the verticals, are going to break down right away. You're not going to be able to do those. And I really like the idea also of what you said of having a safety over the top. Um, what I really like is the Ravens having a free safety who knows how to catch the football. And I hope that, that in some dime situations in particular, they bring Chuck Clark up into the box. Not that he doesn't have good anticipation skills. He does. You know, leave Elliott maybe on the back end or maybe also rushing the passer. Who knows? And a player like Stone or maybe like Brandon Stevens can be this guy because they certainly like him as a free safety prospect. Could be a guy who anticipates the overthrow a lot. And if they're going to go to Waller, well, okay, they're going to hit two out of three, three out of four. And then they're gonna, Carr is going to miss one because the pressure's in his face. It's going to go over his head. And then you hope that Stone or, or Stevens is going to be there to anticipate that overthrow. Absolutely. And I think that's going to kind of come up in our next team that we're about to talk about to the Chiefs in week two. Um, but both of those teams completely rebuilt offensive lines. Um, yeah. and, and I think if, you know, in terms of pass rush – the time to get a completely rebuilt offensive line is probably week one or week two, you know, before they've completely gelled and some cohesiveness there. So uh, hopefully the uh, the pass rush can get there in week one as well as week two. Um, kind of a segue there, but week two, man, I mean, what was it, week three or four last year that we played the Chiefs? Uh, I think it was week three, yeah. Yeah, uh, so 
385 yards, I think, you know, obviously the uh, the linebackers in the middle of the, uh, the field, they got their eggs scrambled a little bit. But there were some times when they got behind us. Uh, I remember the 50-yard touchdown to Hardman. McCole Hardman on the right yeah. side was behind Peters. It was it was a bad gamble, and Peters knew it when he walked off the field. You yeah. see, look for the body yeah. language. Yeah, and, and that's just the kind of thing that you take with, with Marcus Peters because seven times out of ten he's going to gamble correctly mm-hmm. and he's going to come away with a turnover. Um, but the Chiefs, another team, you know, you've got Tyreek Hill obviously at 4-2-9. You've got Nicole Hardman at 4-3-3. Um, a very speedy team. Uh, so that's probably and obviously what do Ravens fans want to talk about the most. They want to talk about the Chiefs because that seems to be the team that we can't get over the hurdle against. That's probably the team where if we're going to have to deal with their speed multiple times a year if we're going where we want to go. So I, I think it'll be very telling uh, what they decide to do week two against them, how they decide to play. I can't see Wink and I don't want to say making the same mistake twice, but the, the way that he played a lot of the first half, at least, of that Chiefs game with the, the exotic blitzes and, and, and mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the disguised coverages, it, it just, with the players we had, a young Patrick Queen at that point, Andy going against Andy yeah. Reid, it didn't seem to work. That, I mean, that was really the problem, is Patrick Queen had his worst game of the year in week two or week three, whenever it was they played the Chiefs. There are five separate times where his own players, his own teammates, emoted on the field about his poor coverage you know, things. And you know, I think he would have, he would be the first to admit it now for all the, all the off-season comments I've seen from Queen have been very good. What we've seen from him downhill looks impressive to me. We have yet to see any of the things that really concern me, which is a bunch of formation off the line of scrimmage and what's going on behind him. Like just saw you pointing behind your head there so you know exactly what I'm talking about. So those are, those are really the two things that, that, uh, that concern me. He, he did, he bit on a lot of coverage that was um, zone and he made it in a man <laughs> that went in a way you shouldn't have. Um, but hopefully, uh, you know, Patrick Queen's going to be improved as a second year player. Seeing him working with Rob Ryan a lot, it makes me feel good about that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm almost wondering if they played a little too many of the the types of zone coverages last year early on, where you're obviously setting up in your your initial dropback your zone, but once that receiver has kind of broken off their route in your zone, you kind of take them kind of man as well. So so I'm not sure if he was getting that confused, the responsibilities confused, but like you said, it seemed like you know a few times that game, Chuck Clark or Peters or whoever like was visually upset with where Queen went, but hopefully uh, week two is a different story this year. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think they will be less patient with Patrick Queen this year if he's not getting the job done. They'll just say, hey, look, we got to figure this out in practice. Right now, we'll go with seven defensive backs on third down and just pull pull all the inside linebackers because it's not working. And, and I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't honestly do that. I mean, it, it, they've been very successful with, you know, either a five-man pass rush with six defensive backs or a... Um, four-man pass rush with seven defensive backs. Either way, they've been successful. They do not need to have an inside linebacker, and one of the reasons they have you know, Chuck Clark with the green dot is because Wink likes to have the flexibility to have zero inside linebackers on the field. If, if Clark has a green dot, he's... He, I Sorry, if, uh, if Queen has a green dot, he's on the field every play, so anyway. Right. Now, now do you foresee a potential situation where um, you play a dime where 
where Chuck Clark comes down, but then you almost have Tyus Bowser serving as the other inside linebacker next to him. In, in terms of where he stands for the pass rush, yes, but but that's it. it that's just Tyus Bowser standing in a different spot from my way of thinking. Because Tyus Bowser is always a threat to drop. He's always a threat to, to do something like that. You, what you're really trying to do when you drop him into that middle linebacker position, you, you might cover with him, but you're also giving him a, a, a spate of options of uh, which gap does he want to shoot in the pass rush. Also, so it's it's they did it with Judon last year. They've done it with other players, even Haloti Nada in the past, to, to try and get that kind of an advantage. And and uh, I, I like it whenever they try. A different look is always good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next game that I have up here is uh, is actually Week Nine, and this is actually after our bye week. That's the Minnesota Vikings, mm-hmm. um, and they've got a couple of fast receivers on that team. Obviously, Justin Jefferson took the league by storm last year. Um, he's a four four three guy. He is the sort of guy that I could see. Marlin, because of his physicality, kind of sticking with for most of the game. Um, but they've got some other fast players, uh, namely, um, and this is a guy who I've always found underutilized wherever his stop has been. Obviously, I don't follow the practice reports, but D.D. Westbrook at uh, Oklahoma, uh, 439 guy. I know he was with Jacksonville for a little while. I forget his second stop, but he's up in Minnesota now. So um, that's just another fast team I, in general. I, Dalvin Cook's a speedster. Um, Irv Smith at the tight end position is a pretty fast mover, certainly faster than what they've had in Kyle Rudolph over the past couple of years. Um, so so another team that likes to play fast, especially on that track out there in uh, Minnesota on that turf. So um, We're playing – Minnesota is, is at home this year, right? Correct. Play, correct. Yep. Yeah, so, so at home – um, coming off of a bye, hopefully they, you know, at that point in the season, they've gotten any sort of coverage kink worked out. Um, uh, that's, I, I mean, all that sounds good to me. We, uh, you have a fifth team, though. I'll, I want to hear that. Oh, yeah, so two more teams I have is uh, I have the Dolphins, and this is one that, you know, as a, as a Ravens fan, obviously the Miami Dolphins don't necessarily strike fear into you considering it seems that we always mm-hmm. uh, blow them out, like wherever we're playing them any year, whoever their coach or quarterback is every year, it seems that we always blow them out. But this year, the Dolphins have some serious speed. Uh, obviously, Jalen Waddle, one of the fastest players in the draft, he ran a 4.37. Uh, they actually have Will Fuller coming down there now, who ran a 4.32, who was a very fast player in Houston. Um, and by that point, I know he's been dealing with an ankle, and I know he has suspension issues to start the year, but week 10 at that point, um, he should be full and ready. So so another fast team down there in Miami. Um, to me, the issue with Miami is maybe can Tua, you know, I know his arm strength isn't his, you know, forte, so can he hit those long bombs that it would take? And, and from what I remember last year, their offensive line wasn't great either. Right. Yeah, so, so I think it'll be two things. Can he stay on the spot in order to throw how he wants to do it? Or maybe maybe Tua makes a big jump in terms of, of who he is as a quarterback and is able to throw on the run more this year than he was last. But I think the Ravens are certainly a team that can make life miserable on quarterbacks who, who like to stand in a particular spot and you're trying to have a developing play against them. That's a, that's a bad combination uh, to, to have against the Baltimore Ravens. Absolutely. Um, and, and my last team here is, is uh, week 11, um, heading up to Chicago, Soldier Field, uh, Marquise Goodwin uh, for the Bears. He, he was previously of the San Francisco 49ers. He ran a 4.27. If you look up the 2012 Olympics, he, he was, you know, look up any track event, and he was in at the 100, 200. He's, mm-hmm. he's super fast. And their rookie that came on at the end of last year, I think he was like a fourth or fifth round pick, but uh, Darnell Mooney, he ran a 4.38. At the combine last year, he was taking the fifth or sixth, and I think he ended up with six, seven hundred yards for them. Um, and it was somewhat a, a, a miserable season for the Bears fans as well. Um, 
my concern with that game in particular is week 11 for the Bears. For me, that's probably going to be in prime Justin Fields territory. Fields loves to throw it deep. Uh, he made no bones about that when he was at Ohio State. And it could be a situation where, depending on how the first part of their season goes, it could be a, you know, open the floodgates, let's see what this kid has, let's let him chuck it around the field 30, 35 times a game and, and go deep and see what he's got um, at that point. So that could be a sneaky game, I think, uh, in terms of, of the speed and the, and the secondary, um, which could kind of hurt us. Now, their offensive line again, I know Tevin Jenkins probably not going to be playing at that point. He just had back surgery. They, they released uh, Leno, that left tackle, so their tackle situation is kind of a mess. Um, again, the pass rush, like you were saying earlier, hopefully that's the kind of natural remedy, the yin and the yang there for, for covering up in the secondary, but that's a game that I could see Ravens fans going in, maybe us going in a little bit overconfident and, and, and Fields kind of chucking the ball around. Right. I, I, I think that's a game, uh, like a lot of others, where a, a great remedy also is good offense. So if if you're if you can put some points on the board against really anybody, but almost anybody except for maybe Mahomes and a few other quarterbacks, getting ahead ten points on just about any team against Ravens is, is great tonic. If you look at all, you know that's what the Ravens have done. You know the, Lamar was at one point twenty four and zero going going into the halftime with the lead. And they've been able to regularly have an offense that's high octane early on, uh, that keeps the ball away from the opponents. They played safe with the football in the first half while they were running up that streak. Uh, you know, I think I think that's the tonic for a lot of things. And uh, with the Bears, everything would have to go right for them to beat the Ravens in Baltimore. I mean, they'd, they'd have to. Uh, they'd have to. I mean, we don't know who these teams are yet. It's true, but we certainly have a, a reasonable idea of, of who the two are. And, and I think if if the Bears. Even with Fields, even with a Fields who's playing maybe his fifth game at that point, if he's not been the starter from, from day one in the season, um, would be a guy who I think still will be a rookie quarterback playing against crowd noise in Baltimore that he won't have had too many times so far already in, in his career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the other note that I had here is actually kind of the, you know, with the concern that I have, the concern that I have with the secondary, uh, with the speed. Um, Obviously, it's a good problem to have to say, hey, I think our secondary is going to be top three, five in the league. They just might struggle occasionally with the speedsters. Uh, there are certainly some teams that just the way that our corners play, physical, kind of in your face, there are a lot of teams that we actually get that we match up very well with, in my opinion, with their receiver cores. I mean, you talk about teams like the Browns, Odell and Jarvis getting behind people isn't their game anymore. I think that's kind of why we've had so much success against those two receivers whenever we play them. Uh, the Chargers with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Williams is just kind of a big go-up-and-get-it guy. Allen's notoriously slipped in the draft because of his speed. He's more right. of a technician. And the Rams, when they come to Baltimore, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, I think those at those, this point in their career, they're both probably four, five, four, six guys, more crafty, and I think that's right. exactly where our corners kind of match up well. Yeah, I, I agree. And and if it's if it's good route running and not speed, then I think players like Humphrey and Peters are doing the best relatively. Good route runners always good. Don't don't get me wrong. But but players like Humphrey and Peters will anticipate the throw well and anticipate the route based on the other things they're seeing, other route combinations and the and what the quarterback is is looking at. And that's why Peters gets so many interceptions is he takes he takes a chance to cut underneath of those routes and and be in position to make it. And sometimes like we saw with Russell Wilson in 2019, he actually baits the quarterback into the throw. Absolutely. 
right. Brandon, been an absolute pleasure having you on here. It's a great episode. You're welcome back anytime you like. Uh, uh, look for people out there. If you're listening to Brandon, this is just what we want. Come on, talk some football. Have a, have a good narrow topic uh, just like this, and we'll, uh, we'll love to have you on for this. We're going to do as many as we can of these before the regular season begins, but even after that, we have shorts available on about a once-a-week basis. So uh, give, me a, give me a buzz on Twitter, uh, direct message, and, and we'll talk about the, your idea. Brandon, thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.